0: Our gospel for tonight is from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. will be also the gospel of the Lord. If snow were ashes, that's been my working title for this Ash Wednesday message since Indiana and so much of our country started to receive warning upon warning that winter is coming over the last week or so, and that it was apparently going to show up all at once, winter, in Indiana, it seems anyway, piles and piles of snow we hadn't seen yet this year until the middle of February when it all showed up at once, and that it would hit places like Texas, too, where there aren't so many preparations, or where they aren't able to handle what came with such weight and depth and cold the last few days, if snow were ashes. But that working title really hit home for me yesterday when the first wave of all of that snow had arrived as predicted, and I did my annual dusting off of the snow blower. That machine, you know, that gets packed away in the spring, parked in the far reaches of our mini barn until fall rolls around and I make space for it in the garage where it sits and waits for winter and cold and snow high and heavy enough to earn its keep. Along with the annual dusting off of the snowblower comes the annual testing of my patience when that thing never starts as it should. And then the annual frustration I feel as I check the oil and wonder about the spark plug and pull that godforsaken rope until I break a sweat and worry about my first heart attack and then the shame, a very real shame for knowing every year, every God-blessed year that I should have started that thing, a time or two or twelve, every month or so since the last time I used it, and probably changed the oil, and apparently used different, better, higher quality gas, according to the guy at the hardware store. If snow were ashes, then comes the crow I eat, whatever that means, as I have to recruit my boys to help me shovel, back-breaking work this time around, and as I hear the sounds of happy blowers starting up without fail in garages and on driveways all around my neighborhood over the clear-driven snow. And as I watch those driveways get cleared with efficiency and great ease, just as it should be when one owns such a piece of snow blowing machinery. Oh, and the mix of shame and deep gratitude for the kind neighbor who comes to our aid by snow blowing out the biggest heavy piles of it all just after the city plow does a drive by in the middle of our work and closes us back in again. If snow were ashes. I say that because I think a lot of us, me included, treat the sin and the death that these ashes on our heads present for us with about as much respect and regard and preparation as I treat my snowblower, and the prospect and promise of snow. I mean, I think we avoid and we dodge and we deny the inevitability of our sin and our shame and our ultimate demise to the point that it catches us off guard and finds us unprepared and leaves us frustrated and ashamed and afraid too much of the time which is so much of what Ash Wednesday and this Lenten season are meant to be for us. A reckoning for our brokenness and sin. A reminder that the winter of our dying will indeed come. And an invitation to do something, to live differently because of it. And with hope that someone God and Jesus, to be specific, has and will get us out of this mess to redeem all of it for our sake and for the sake of the world. So what would we, what could we, what should we do if snow were ashes? Let's stop denying that death will come, that it is indeed on the way for every one of us. Let's stop denying the sin that besets us as individuals and as disciples and as a people, as God's church in the world. We've had enough, too many, reminders of that death and of our sins since our last Ash Wednesday worship a year ago. When we last shared and received our ashes in 2020, the pandemic wasn't even being called a pandemic yet. We thought it might be something like a flu. And we tried to convince ourselves of that for quite a while, too long probably. 485,000 or more deaths in our own country, almost 2 million more deaths around the world later this death is impossible to deny. Snow were ashes. Last Ash Wednesday, we'd never heard of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Ahmad Arbery. We didn't know who Richard Brooks or Daniel Prude or Casey Goodson were either. Too many of us still keep the truth and the ugliness of the deadly racism that infects our country hidden away in the far reaches of our mini barn until it rears its ugly head like it did, like it does, on the steps of our capital, for instance. if snow were ashes. Last Ash Wednesday, cancer and chemotherapy. And radiation were things I wondered and worried and prayed about for all of you and for so many others. But it all moved into my house this summer, fast and furious, like a blizzard, you might say. And it changed things for our family. And I know the same is true for so many. Some disease, some diagnosis, some treatment or worse, finds all of us Eventually, if snow were ashes. And this is how sin and death come together a lot of the time for us. Like something we know is there. Like something that could happen. Like something that will eventually happen. Like something we can choose to put off or deny or pretend away, but something that looms always. Nonetheless, and something that lingers, too, for those of us who are left behind. So what do we do? If snow were ashes or ashes were snow or whatever, dumped, though, so predictably, yet by surprise in so many ways, too. These ashes we wear on our foreheads and these words we hear from Jesus and the promises we read in Scripture remind us that we need not fear fear the sin and the death that send us running and reeling and dodging and denying all of it so much of the time. Instead, in the midst of it all, we're called to tend to our faith. We practice our piety faithfully and quietly, not before others in order to be seen. We give our offering without expecting applause or accolades for being generous. We pray, we fast, we worship, we learn, we serve. And there's more. We love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us. We love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and with all of our minds and with all of our souls, with all of our strength when we can find it. We love our neighbors as ourselves, too, which means even more than blowing snow for the knucklehead next door with the broken-down snow blower. It means recognizing that our enemies are our neighbors a lot of the time and that Jesus died and was raised for the whole lot of us. We do all this. Not because we have to, but because we get to. We do all of this imperfectly. Tending to our faith, I mean, like the broken, sinful, dying children that we are, but we do it with gratitude, and we do it with gusto when we can, and we do it with as much faith as we can find, even if that faith is too small to see or to be seen on a lot of days. And we live this way, with hope. In spite of these ashes and everything they represent, because it is by way of ashes, it is by way of dust, and it is by way of even death that God does God's best work. God looks forward to repairing what is so broken in our lives and in this world. God has plans to redeem the ashes and the soot of our sinfulness. God promises to breathe life into the dust and into the dirt of our dying. Because if snow were ashes or ashes were snow, today reminds us that none of that lasts forever. It will all melt away in the end thanks to the grace we know in Jesus and Spring will come in God's sweet time. Amen.